This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 121 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson. Alongside my co-host, Joshua Perry, we are both coming off of trips in the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua Perry went to Pro Day, but you pretty much stayed in Columbus. Yes, I was in town, but I I still got per diem, though. Right. (laughs) I'm jealous. Uh, I am fresh off a trip to Indianapolis, where I covered the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 for our company. So we're a little bit tired today. (laughs) Yes, worn out. (laughs) Right. And the good thing is, though, is we have so much information to share with you guys. So it's going to be a fresh podcast. We haven't talked to you guys in about a week and a half. So hopefully you're still anxious to tune in because we've got some good stuff to get to. And I want to start um, with Pro Day. That is where Joshua Perry was just a couple days ago for Ohio State. And I'm going to just throw it over to you because Mm -hmm. I know this was something you've been waiting to do for a while since the pandemic has kind of shut down things. And did it seem somewhat normal? So that's actually a great point that you bring up. We've talked, both of us have lamented on this show about not being able to do our jobs in the capacity that we did it Um, Mm pre-pandemic. You know, you can get to some locations, but the venue doesn't feel the same and there are obvious restrictions and Uh, different things. And I would say for the most part, this felt like a pretty typical pro day at Ohio State. There were about uh, 75 representatives from the NFL in attendance total. Mm -hmm. Uh, That includes 12 GMs and four head coaches, uh, which was really awesome to see. And there were, you know, 15 or 16 guys working out. So it was a pretty lively day and just really cool. And for me personally, uh, it was my first time being on the field in a reporter role. And so it was a little bit of a nervous experience at first. And and, and I was in a very comfortable setting, obviously, back at my old school, but it's just something I had never done. Uh, But I got to interview Coach Day on air, which was pretty awesome. I got an interview with Justin Fields afterwards, which is pretty cool. And then I was able to, you know, add in some of my analysis and some of the things I was hearing field level, uh, which was really cool, just interacting with some of the personnel that was available. Um, And not to toot my own horn, but I've actually parlayed that into a, uh, a reporter spot for Ohio State spring game as well. So I'll be down on the field for that. Ooh, uh, well, congratulations. Is, yes, exciting. And that'll be a little bit of a different setup for me, just, you know, doing in-game reporting, but it's going to be fun nonetheless. But uh, um, great day overall. Like I said, ton of representatives out there, and we can just kind of go through the players how you want to. 
but there yeah. were some performances that were just amazing. Well, I was keeping track up in Indianapolis of all your stuff, and I was probably liking everything. You had mentioned there was a lot of you know representation. There are 31 teams. Yes. From the NFL. And the only the reason the Rams didn't come is because they're just not traveling right now. Exactly. So, I mean, I'd say that's a pretty good showing. So I want to start with quarterback Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And I think right when I saw that come down on my timeline of him running the 40-yard dash, and, and you had commented on another tweet, and then we saw the video come out, I was just like, whoa, this is uh, this is pretty fast for a quarterback. It ran an official time of 4.44. Mm-hmm. The only other QB to run faster was RG3, and I think yeah. that was in 2006. And RG3 so, was like a, a real track oh, guy, like too. A, that's what I was just going to say. He yeah. was like a dual sport athlete. Yes. So it was um, really interesting watching that. And for people who don't know, because a lot of people wouldn't know what the inside of a pro day is like, it is a very subdued environment. Like when you're mm-hmm. doing analysis or when you're doing on-field reporting there, you feel like you're reporting on golf because it's so quiet. Yeah. And so it was already, uh, you know, just pretty quiet overall. Justin goes over there and lines up to run his 40 and you could hear a pin drop. Like there were people kind of roaming around. Everybody converged on the track wow. there to see him run it. And uh, he got out and stumbled a little bit in like the first 10 yards. You could kind of see that on the video, finished it really strong. The scout that I was standing next to um, from the Jets had him clocked at a 4.38. There were other scouts that had him in the low 4.4s. And so, you know, just depending on what stopwatch you were looking at, I mean, it was ridiculous. He goes to run the second one, and we're like, man, he's about to run better than the first one. He stumbles like halfway through and kind of coasts through the line and still runs a four five eight. So like yeah. even on a bad run where he just coasts through the finish line, yeah. he's running faster than most of the defenders that he's going to see in the NFL. It just goes to show the athleticism. But then you jump into the quarterback workout, and that's where he really shined. Um, and one thing that I learned is Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, who they're kind of jockeying mm-hmm. for that second yep. position in a lot of analysts' eyes they have the same quarterback coach. So that script that Zach Wilson did in his pro day was a very similar script to what Justin Fields ended up doing. They threw a lot of the same passes and they had a lot of the same uh, kind of routine scripted in there. Uh, But Justin Fields, I think, answered a lot of questions. One that we had Mm -hmm. talked about was his ball velocity. And Mm -hmm. he threw a an outbreaking kind of comeback route on the sideline Mm -hmm. where I was standing and I was standing next to um, an assistant GM at the time he threw that route and he just, it was on point. The velocity was on point. The timing was great. And the thing that you heard from him was that's an NFL throw. That's what the assistant GM said. He's like, that's what we needed to see. It was, it answered a lot of the questions because the timing was perfect. The velocity on the ball was great. And that's the window that he's going to have to throw into in the NFL. We saw him moving around. They kind of simulated some pressures. Obviously he's going against air with the coverage, but he was pretty on point the whole day. And, and to be completely honest, there were only a couple of balls that ended up on the ground because he threw a bad pass. There were some drops sure. from the receivers, but overall it was a, just a magnificent day. I think it did a lot uh, in the eyes of the representatives there from the NFL. Staying on the note of fields real quick, and then we'll go into who else caught your eye. So Dan Orvalosky was on the Pat McCaffrey show and supposedly shared some inside information on fields 
pretty much saying that he thinks he's sliding down the draft board because he's hearing that his attitude and his work ethic um, aren't there, aren't at the, the pro level, like maybe worrying about a Dwayne Haskins type of yeah. situation. What's going on with that? And what have you heard? Is this credible? I've not heard that from anybody I've spoken to. So, you know, he might have different sources than I do. He probably does, but that's not anything I've heard. He also but has followed... that ever rubbed you that way? No. Just and, me that way? And, and so this is what I'm going to get at. He followed that tweet up pretty quickly by saying that this is something that he heard is not his own personal belief. And you okay. can look into the fact that Justin was big in trying to bring football back in the Big Ten and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, the, the thing that stood out to me that whoever gave him that information said he's a uh, uh, last in, first out kind of guy. I don't think you can be an all Big Ten caliber, you know, potential first round pick at quarterback doing that because the game is mental. If he would have said yeah. he doesn't practice hard or he doesn't yeah. go hard in the weight room, that would have been one thing. But to say that he, he didn't spend the time is a really interesting criticism. This is the time of the year, though, where you start to hear weird things like that. And sure. it might be teams throwing smoke screens. San yeah. Francisco is out here dealing. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do. Are they throwing a smoke screen so they can get Justin in that three spot? Is New York throwing a smoke screen so, you know, nobody knows what they're going to do and, and try to get him in that two? I, I have no idea what it is, right? But you hear teams who want a player sometimes leak negative information about that player to kind of sour the other suitors. I don't know if it's one of those situations, but nobody who I know personally that has uh, familiarity with Justin, his work habits have ever said anything like that. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. Cause I, I knew if anybody I'd trust an opinion, at least for, you know, being around a program like you are, um, you have so much inside information there. You, you've kind of seen these players on a different level I had never heard something like that, but again, I think you make a great point. It's that time of the year and you start to hear kind of things come out, stories come out, and some of the times they're probably not true. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't think it's going to affect his draft status, especially after that pro day. Who else stood out to you, Joshua? Is there anybody who's a sleeper, like a Terry McLaurin type of player? Yeah, I'll give you a, 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 my sleeper, and then I'll talk about a few other players who I thought had really good workouts. So the sleeper in, in this group from Ohio State for me, 100%, is Pete Warner. Um, he's a okay. guy, and I've talked about this. I talked about it on air uh, during the broadcast. I tweeted about it a little bit. But to me, he is the most NFL-ready prospect that Ohio State has this year. The things mm -hmm. that I watched him do on tape at, during his Ohio State career, he was stout against the run. He's a player who played multiple positions at Ohio State. He was the linebacker when asked to go out in man-to-man -man coverage. He was the one who did it. And you never heard his name, which means that he wasn't making a tackle downfield. It means that he wasn't getting penalties. It means that he wasn't getting dusted. And so when you have a linebacker out in coverage, it's a good thing to not hear their name. And you didn't hear a lot about him. Um, but he was asked to do a lot of different things, and he did his job to the best of his ability. Tested well, ran about a 4-6 in the 40, which is a great time for him. His linebacker drills looked really good. So he's the sleeper. Other guys who I thought had great workouts, Justin Hilliard, a guy that was at Ohio State when I was playing at Ohio State. He was there for a long time, That's had crazy. a really good workout. It's crazy. Um, yeah. But he showed NFL teams, I think, his athletic ability. The question for him is going to be the injuries that kept him at Ohio State so long sure. and how he's healed up from those. 
another linebacker who tested really well, but probably more of the questions come from the inconsistency is Baron Browning, 40 inch vertical, 10 foot 10 on the broad jump. He ran a, a four, like five, five in the 40. So he was, he was moving around really well. Um, other players who had great workouts, Wyatt Davis, who's an offensive lineman. He was really working out by himself because Josh Myers couldn't go. Did a really good job. I think teams are interested in him in the second or third round. And I think they'd be getting great value because he's another guy who I think day one could come into the league and be a difference maker. Um, and then finally, Jonathan Cooper actually was really impressive in D-line drills, but he, he worked out with the linebackers as well. And I uh -huh. think he showed that he has some range and versatility in the league. And I tweeted this. I'm like, John Cooper held his own. And he comes up to me after pro day and he's like, JP, I held my own. That's all you could say. And I'm like, Coop, you know, you're not a linebacker, but he didn't look out of place in the drills. He, he looked like he could do impressive. athletically some of the things yeah. that he could be asked to do if they wanted him to drop into zone coverage or whatever the case is. Um, so for a guy who has never played that position, I thought it was pretty impressive watching him move around. We talked about before leading up to all of these pro uh, days that we didn't know if these players would get the attention that was needed because of the cancellation of the combine this year. And now these pro days, specifically the big time program, yes. I should say, uh, are kind of elevated to a whole nother level. So we're kind, we're kind of even getting a more inside look at these bigger programs because it's on the NFL network and you've got certain networks coming in and covering it. So we're able to see like specific things, um, I think to a, an elevated level in a way, yes. a little bit more of a uh, intimate atmosphere. It's a closer but, look for sure. But it's still the, the other programs though, they're not getting that attention. So I no. think I got caught up in like, Oh man, these pro days are getting hyped now. Like th this is awesome. They're getting all this coverage. And then I'm thinking about, I'm like, yeah, but that's like the LSU's, Alabama's, Ohio State's yeah. of the world. We talked about it, you know, like for us as consumers of football, we like watching guys run around their underwear for four days during the combine, <laughs> right? But for the NFL, it's an opportunity for them to get the guys specifically that they want to see, 300 guys into Indianapolis, spend four days cycling through all these players. Every team gets a look at whoever they want to get a look at. And now it's going to be a situation where, you know, some of these prospects aren't going to get the amount of eyes on them that they would have before. And I know mm -hmm. from speaking to uh, certain scouts that they're sending more guys on the road than they typically would to watch these pro days. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like, you know, if, if you're at uh, a D2 school and you're the big prospect there, you might have been a guy who would have been seen by all 32 teams in person at the Combine. And maybe now you only get seen by seven, eight, nine, ten 10 teams who feel like they really have an interest in you at your pro day. That's the toughest part about it. That is. And that's the part that is like all the little guys, like they're probably not getting as much as attention the as they, they would have. Right. All those, I just always think back at my time covering Montana. Yeah. Right. And there were some really good players there, but you look at those pro days and then I compare it to when I was at Ohio state covering pro day, right. just like night and day. So I always was like, the little guys, you know, Well, let's talk about this too. Um, I'm privileged to have been able to be in the facility. We had ESPN there, NFL yeah. network was there and then big 10 network. Like, thank mm -hmm. you, Jerry Emig for letting us come in and let me spend some yeah. time there. Um, our, 
our local news affiliates in Columbus do a really good job of covering the yeah. Buckeyes. The beat reporters yeah. in central Ohio and beyond in the state of Ohio are really in tune with Ohio State, love covering the Buckeyes. And yep. this was a situation where they had to get their content over Zoom. Like the guys yep. were done working out and they got to ask some questions about it in a Zoom conference. They didn't get to yep. be in the building like they typically would. Like, you know, I'm, I'm picturing my guy, Sean Dunnigan, running around there with his camera, know, you know, Sean. during <laughs> during Pro Day. And I didn't get to see his face this year. So it's it's definitely a different experience. Yeah, I hope that's different next year. We need to start being able to have some interaction at, at this point. I'm just yeah. like, we got to do our part though. Start. Right. No, we do. We do. But, um, I just don't want it to turn into a thing where this is going to become the no. Norm. Well, I, this you know, is what I'm, I fear I'm, though is some I of get, these coaches are about this. Yep. some of these coaches are yep. are very private people, and so they might run with yep. this not letting access and not having a lot of people around thing. Um, yep. So that'll be interesting to see if some of these people just say screw it. I liked it better when nobody was in here. <laughs> I know that's what I worry about. Uh, real quick before we move on to our next topic, LSU did have its pro day this week too. Some impressive performances and I don't think we're surprised to hear Lamar Chase impress uh he ran like a 438 um Terrence Marshall also a guy that was more so their leading I think he was their leading receiver not this past year but the year before uh he had a really good pro day as well somebody to look out for in terms of draft stock possibly climbing and then Kyle Pitts he was one of my favorites to watch this for season sure. Why did I say LSU? Uh, Kyle Pitts is, those were LSU guys. Kyle Pitts is a Florida guy. Yes. Um, so he had an impressive pro day as well. And I'm not shocked that he did, but I think he ran like a four, four, four or something. Yeah, and that's fast for he, a guy his size. He's he's, a, that's what I'm saying. He's I mean, this different. This guy is tall. He's, yeah. I, but he's going to be I think imagine a tight end though is football. like a, a top five top 10 pick like that's not typical well it's not but the the tight end you know it depends on where you're playing but it's I look morphing. at the Titans. It, it's morphine it yeah. absolutely is the Falcons I think are looking at him which yeah. makes sense yeah um, man I wish the Titans could get a guy like that I mean obviously they're way down the list so they're not but yeah, the tight end position is is becoming more useful, mm -hmm. I should say. The, the offenses are using it more See, and more. The athletes keep getting better and better, though. Like, I, it, I said that as I was watching, yeah, like, you know, right. who, were, who were joking around and, you know, they came down to me on the field and they were asking about some of these times. And I'm like, guys, if I was still in, you know, if I was healthy enough still to play football, I don't know if I'd be employed right now because these athletes right? are too damn good. Man, they're just like morphing into something we've never seen before yeah and i'm not a bad like, athlete so. no no not at all i mean they're just they're too i'm good. not even gonna call myself a bad athlete well maybe <laughs> uh, i'm not really i think as i grew older i got more athletic grow into it i just always, i always thought i was really athletic okay it's a mindset so right it is as long as you have it up there the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to.
Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So there was a lot of stuff happening this week also in terms of um, the NCAA. We're not we're not going to talk about your boy there at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom well, of the A my segment. My computer is running low. Okay. Cuz I I need to talk about him real quick though. I'll make it real okay. quick. Okay. So, okay, I'm we'll go back to real quick. I had a conversation on radio about this yeah. and there's a word of Mac Jones going like there's possible word of him going to the Niners um, that they're going to draft him. He's going to, he's going to go way up in the draft. I, I said, what is going on? Where is this coming from? How is he all of a sudden now a, like a top 15 pick? Like, I'm not understanding this at all. I don't understand it either. When we were talking about him being in, in the top 20 of the mock drafts, I was losing my mind. I and know. now all of a sudden, but you saw, I don't know how much you saw of it, but his performance was like not elite. He struggled on some of the deeper throws. And that's well, not that. something he was really asked to do at Alabama anyway. His offense was get the ball out quick, you know, find the, the RPOs and do the screens and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I'd be very curious to see where he goes. It's a quarterback hungry league. That's why he's ranked so high. He'll be overdrafted regardless of where he goes, in my opinion. Look, that's all it's becoming. Like, why don't you just turn the whole first round into drafting quarterbacks and it then see which I mean, one works? Basically. See which one works. Because let's be honest, Joshua, majority of them don't work out. Yeah, well. They don't. The, uh, they the don't. quarterback position is disposable on the, on the rookie deals because of how much they're paying vet guys anyway. Like, they're, they yeah. figure they could waste – 30 million dollars over four years on or five years on a rookie deal and not feel bad about it yeah that's true it's it's such a weird thing though right yeah it's like we're gonna draft him in the first round sticks around for like a year he's the backup then he's off the team and then he's okay yeah then he's cut and they gotta pay him too i mean those first round contracts are yeah a lot of money's guaranteed yeah exactly okay so the supreme court questions the validity of amateurism in the NCAA's business model. That is the headline this week. If you're watching like C-SPAN, you might have seen a little bit of what was going on. So here's a couple bullet points to take out of this. And then I know you're going to have a strong opinion on this. <laughs> but so it is looking good for Division One student athletes when it comes to, you know, a victory in their Supreme Court battle against the NCAA over whether the organization may impose restraints or compensation related on compensation related to education. And then the other thing is the justices appeared definitely skeptical of the NCAA's claim that payments to students for things such as um, musical instruments, internships will sour fans who are drawn to the amateur quality of competition. Okay, so I'm I'm glad these people are at least wise well, enough to oh be able to see through that crock of crap that the NCAA. Well, you know, fans like college football because these guys are exploited free labor. Like that's basically what the NCAA is trying to say. And I can tell you right now, that's not the reason why people like college athletics. They like college athletics because they like sports. Like and uh, and specifically yeah. because they have a draw to these teams because they went to the school or they grew up watching the school or whatever the case is. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that these Supreme court justices, although I don't agree with some of them, uh, I agree with a lot yeah, of what yeah. went on today. And then here's, here's the reality too, for the NCAA is they have shot themselves in the foot so many times recently 
they can't get out of their own way. And I think that people now are starting to realize how bureaucratic of a uh, organization they are and how incompetent they are as an organization. And so it's about time that they loosen up. And then I'll end with this finally. Um, We saw with the NCAA men's and women's tournaments exactly what the NCAA is made of with how they treated the ladies out there until the Gen Z athletes, which I love because they say anything they want on social media, started exposing them on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And then they felt like they had to do the right thing. The NCAA is the, the enemy of the athlete at this point because they... They are so bottom line driven that they forget the reason that their bottom line exists. It's a shame. Well, and I also just read an article and somebody tried to tell me that this was something the NCAA has always done. And if that's the case, then shame on you even more because it's horrific that this is even protocol. Well, well, let's run with that, right? If that's the way that they've always done it, then we we can make a declaration right now that the NCAA is either a sexist organization or they have roots in sexism and misogyny, if that's how they feel like they need to treat their female athletes at the tournament. Well, and th- this is another thing that happened in on the men's side of the tournament. And I had never heard of this before. Maybe you have. But Oregon State, surprise in the Pac-12, won the Pac-12, surprise in the tournament, made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Great story lost in the elite eight and I guess came back to the hotel in Indianapolis and they're all in a bubble and hours after they were you know coming back and probably heartbroken and what whatever were told like all right you're out like pack your bags headed back to Corvallis got back at 4 a.m like what so they just all right. They just bounced up. Like time to go. Well, you know, the NCAA, like I said, bottom line driven. If if the hotel's telling them like, look, we we sold these rooms to another party, you know. Like, but it's I'm a like, bubble. If they didn't because it's, it's a, a bubble. bubble. I understand, right? I mean, but there's, it's like no way. It's just it to me, okay, the NCAA at some point has got to bounce Mark Emmert. Well, you know, right? Mark Emmert, the right? the Emmert other thing they showed in terms of their ineptitude was the post-game Zoom conference after Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts, um, they couldn't get that right either. So media wasn't able to ask questions when they were supposed to. Chris Holtman was talking on a cell phone on the bus. That's awesome. Yeah, so. That's really professional. It's great, isn't it? Like, it's, yeah, there, like, change is, it's got to be coming soon. That's all I got to say. I'll do it. Before, (laughs) I'm telling you, man, you need to run run for some of these, like, higher-up positions. And I'm, I'm here for it. Take over. I'm still waiting to hear the Pac-12 commissioner news. So yeah, I'm I'm waiting for my phone know. to ring at any moment. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Man, I'll hire me on as like a vice president of. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. um, real quick before we finish off this podcast, or else my computer's gonna die. Yeah, it's just that kind of a day. I told you guys, I drove back in the car from Indy for four and a half hours. You don't need to explain yourself to these people. I'm completely out of it, and I'm hungry. Um, (laughs) I got to be waiting, too. (laughs) Right? Dang, we're hungry. Uh, Uh, Vanderbilt, I'm really proud of Vanderbilt. This this last week, they dished out $300 for facilities. It's long overdue. Yeah, long overdue. And 
I actually listened to athletic director Candace Lee today on Paul Feinbaum's show. I love her, by the way. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. She said that right now the initial work and focus is kind of the infrastructure that Vanderbilt athletes, you know, are looking to have improved. So starting with football and basketball. So those, those facilities, you know, mm-hmm. the locker rooms, the practice facilities, that's where they're going to start. So I believe if you start somewhere, that's, that's a good plan because before it was just not even happening. Right. So I'll say this. I took an unofficial visit to Vanderbilt in 2010. Um, and yeah. I was, I was coming from Duke at that oh, point. So gosh. Duke was the first stop, went to Vanderbilt. Wow. And Duke's facilities are actually like pretty nice. They're pretty, pretty up nice. to date. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did a good job. You know, it's it's not anything that you would see out of Clemson or in Alabama or whatever the case sure. is. But it's it was definitely a modern facility. It looked like they yeah. put some time and effort and money into it. Yeah. Got to Vanderbilt, and oh I swear to God, it was a time warp. I was like, Are, are, are we in 1991 or what? And wow. it wasn't the the wildest part though. Like the facilities looked bad, but. It was like everything felt old school because of the color scheme. And then like, so it just, nothing ever really stood out. Like, I I feel like when you're an institution like that, especially where you have some academic overlays to have bad facilities is just like, how are you going to attract elite talent? Like Vanderbilt, you're in Nashville. It's a big city, like obviously a great degree. Like they should be able to get some guys. But yeah. when your facilities are terrible and it's a smart people school, like Northwestern put the money into the facilities. Like I said, Duke has nice facilities. Stanford, oh. beautiful. Like those teams have figured it out. Notre Dame, they do the right thing. It's, it's yeah. not that they can't do it. They just haven't. And now they're going to. Yeah, this is great news. And I, I know new head football coach Clark Lee was pretty much, I would guess he would not have come here if this was not in the works. It's I think typically – what the right. coaches are like, okay, you, yeah. you need to make me a promise whether yep. or not you, you have the deal done yet that we're going to be, you know, a year or two or three away from this happening. Exactly. So um, he's here, I, I think, because at least they saw this coming. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's good news for Vanderbilt Athletics. Uh, happy to see that that is headed in that direction. Well, that will do it for this episode of Press Pass because Joshua and I are hungry. Yes. We're just being honest with you. That's just how it goes. You ain't got to um, lie, Craig. Right? <laughs> oh, by the way, do not call him Josh. I just read his post the other day on Facebook. Somebody must have called you Josh. That's, um, it's just, it's a, it's a reminder. It's, it's a simple reminder. Right? You know, don't people are forgetful and I understand. But it's I'm a reminder. Is. But I never yeah. did that again. So just so you're, if you're tweeting at him, which, where can they tweet at you and follow you? at rip underscore jep the j stands for joshua um you can find me on twitter and instagram at that handle would love to interact uh hopped on the timeline a little bit these last couple weeks not as much as usual but spring has sprung so i think i'm gonna get back at it you better you got some good stuff to share you can follow me at kayla anderson tv instagram and twitter i'm sure if you like basketball past week loved my timeline. I felt like I was a national reporter. I should have been down there on the broadcast or CBS or TBS or TNT, you know. Send in the reel. Right? Send it in. Hey, we appreciate it, guys. It's good to be back and we'll be back uh, on our normal day next week. Take care. Stay safe out there.